Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we catch up with our good friend Jay Shaw from Welcome Home Property Management. Nick Kradza is also on the episode together, and we just get an update. Property management is always, I think, a topic that investors just cannot escape. So whether you're investing, sorry, managing your properties yourself, um, or you're working with a property manager, Jay Shaw gives us tips and tricks and what he's seeing on the streets and how he's handling things. We always get great feedback about his property management services. He actually teaches a class on property management for investors who want to do property management themselves here at Rockstar as part of the Rockstar Inner Circle membership. So we're just doing an all-around catch-up with Jay. That's what we're doing on this particular episode. And if you want to find a list of all the classes, or like 20 classes that we offer here at Rockstar as part of the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, you can find out all the details by visiting Rockstar Inner Circle com forward slash members. That's it with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are on with Jay Shaw and Nick Karadza. So, and then Jay was just sharing me. So, what's your what was your Christmas gift from from your daughter? Oh, so my daughter got me for Christmas. She got me a T shirt that says, "I don't use Google. My daughter knows everything." Yeah. <laughs> so my my latest one. So respect. She got. I actually wore I actually wore it to school when I dropped her off when it was like plus five there last week, and uh, she was just put her head down. Embarrassed of her dad, so good times. Perfect. So my, that's what she gets, and she's not going to. Yeah, buy exactly. Yeah. She's going to buy that. So my, I don't know how she got into this. My daughter's, my oldest daughter's got into this habit of buying me a, a t-shirt like that for every birthday, every Christmas, Father's Day, like everything. She finds one, and the latest one was, "I'm awesome like my daughter," and she's like, "Are you going to wear it?" I'm like, "Yeah," and, and I go to, I only go to the gym in, the, in them really, right? And <laughs> and people at the gym are like what like where do you get all these t-shirts i'm like they're gifts they're all gifts from my my daughter and there's like i can see how much you value them are you wearing them to the gym it's your gym it's your gym t-shirt dude well what was the first the first one was like with a body like this who needs hair and i was like oh thanks that's great i was like yeah that's great so trust me there's a wide range of things well thanks for dressing up today for the uh, podcast yeah that's great you both have fancy sweaters on these are what do they like i I like your collar shirt i have to to look poor i'm a property manager (laughs) oh my god Uh, that's a good i mean look i always used to when my first bmw my wife was driving a civic still at that time and i was taking her civic to go pick up rent i didn't take the bmw Uh right so yeah I take the service van. We have a, a cargo van, so every so often when I can get it, I take the service van and drive it around. So, yeah. and you were uh, Jay with I, I guess we 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 won't name the particular property here, or we just give vague details. But Jay's there's a tenant that's mandated somehow it's in the lease that he has to pick up uh, rent cash. If that's in the lease in Ontario, you have to do it. Uh, I believe so, right? Like, I mean, you can't really dictate how they pay rent. You can only. You know, and I've always said that, like, you, you know, as long as they pay rent, I don't care. But we took over management of this property from another property manager. And basically in the rent, it says we have to pay cash and they have to be issued a receipt or a receipt upon delivery. So every single month I have to drive down to the property, knock on the door, make an appointment. And uh, the other thing they've done is uh, they've uh, it's a triplex. They've installed cameras all over the place. So it's like some tenants have. Yeah. So it's sometimes they, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to mention the property, 
for other reasons, <laughs> but you know this property and you know who owns this property okay. in Hamilton. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a anyway, member. go on. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we say if it's a member? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I heard you guys talking about it. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I like doing property management because every day is different, right? And it forces you to um, really how to deal with people, right? Because this business, whether you're self-managing, whether you're a land, uh, whether you're a property manager, it's about people. It's not about the bricks and mortar. It's not about the, you know, one, two, three, four. It's you have to get to the root of what the issues are, what the problems are, and how do you solve them, right? And that's it's interesting. We were talking about that with uh, our team this morning. Uh, we did uh, we do training once a month. Uh, we were talking about um, tenant-related issues. So at our company, we refer to them as residents, right? It's a step above tenants, and it's just there are customers. That is a nicer right? way to refer to everyone. Yeah. Well, there are customers, but at the same time, they're paying a premium rent. Like I know last time I came on, we talked about what we were able to get for like main floors and duplex and duplexes and stuff like that. Um, but they expect a pre they're paying a premium rent. So we should be delivering a premium service. So that's one of the things that we were talking about is like problem solving. And, and we started off the training with, you know, what are what are 10 things that really kind of contribute to better customer service? So we went around the team and like things like empathy, problem solving, solutions oriented, stuff like that, right? Because this, this business is all about um, people. It's not about bricks and mortar. And, and sometimes the tenants, the residents just want to be heard. So I want to go back to this cash and cameras thing <laughs> so because and i don't I, I want to come back here but i'm just thinking i'm like there's some funny business going on in that property for sure you have an idea why they installed the um because they're nuts yeah <laughs> can i say so that? It's, it's just that um you got it, you got it. they so we took over management of it they were already in there they'd been there for a month and a half there's a um, plethora of issues um, we've now engaged a paralegal who we all know very well and who has basically taken on uh, the case um, but there's a whole bunch of issues uh, with regards to let what, Nick know how long the N5 is uh, it's 11 pages so the N5 11 pages in, <laughs> in 45 days and this is grievances that are disturbing the enjoyment of. The it's kind of like Festivus on Seinfeld. They've right? been, it's the airing of grievances. So right? they've, they've got a lot of issues with you people. So hold on. They've been there for 45 days and there's 11 pages of grievances. Yeah. Well, no, not of grievances of things that they've done. Who right? feel who feel, who you put this no, in there? No, no. <laughs> a hard no. Hard, hard no. We were uh, good. Fine. Jay. We, good job. Yeah, exactly. Right. When we when we screw up, we screw up large. What's the and then and since we're just talking about this, what is the latest? <laughs> status of the tenant board um because i know through obviously through the pandemic and everything shut down everything got delayed and then over time it's been some time now we've been hearing it's easing up slowly yeah i think it's getting better like i mean we haven't been there in a while thankfully um oh that's that's interesting so through all the properties you're managing you have not had to go. Well, no, I didn't say that. Like we haven't been there lately, right? Like mm. I mean, we've gone there for issues like non-payment of rent. Um, you know, um, you know, other things like, you know, resident one and resident two fighting, like things like that. So, I mean, the latest that I've heard, it's roughly about six months, but I could be wrong, right? I mean, that's what I heard. And when I last time I talked to Kelly, she was saying about the same. She's like, sometimes it goes a little bit sooner, you know, but, but, but then ball, we, ballpark we, that. Yeah. But then we just got something over um, Christmas or before Christmas. Um, we had uh, a, 
uh, a T2, which is a tenant related action brought against us. Um, oh my God, I've never heard of a yeah. T2. Right. So how, how long did that take to get, get there? So this is the thing. So I reached out to the tenant and I'm like, Hey, I was under the impression that all the maintenance things were issued because we saw on the, um, on the form that it was brought, that it was filled out in July. She wrote back and she's like, yeah, that was July of last year. So we only got the T2 or the, the settlement conference or whatever it was oh my gosh, in so December. So this, it was like 18 months for well, that. So everything had been fixed, right? but you're just getting the notice now. Yeah. And she basically said that was from last July. Like everything's been done and, and we consider the matter closed. Like she's like, I tried to, you know, cancel it when I got the notice too, but I couldn't get through on, on the landlord tenant board phone. So, so I think it depends on what it is, right? I think like on things like that, it's slower. I think on, um, you know, notices of non-payment, it's a little bit quicker. It's roughly uh, funny how we say quicker in six months mm-hmm. in the same. Well, because it's a it's a gong show. Like it's it's a pathetic display of what what you know mm-hmm. of government incompetence. Like there's no other way to put it. Like it's it's gone on for so long, and and, and when they shut it down during COVID, you knew there was going to be problems. And the fact that it's taken them this long to fix it is just it's it's a it's a joke. Well, didn't you guys? I know you guys um, went down to Florida recently. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't you guys talk to? You know, property, property manager, manager down there, yeah, and she freaked and us out. <laughs> she when was we, confused. She when when she said at one point she said, "Do you, Nick actually just recorded for Rockstar members? They're going to get that recording, uh, a, a talk with her." Mm-hmm. She at one point looked at me and she said, um, "You know, we if we decide we want to renew the tenant." And I'm like, wait, hold, hold on a second. You didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you can decide as the landlord yeah. if you want to renew the tenant. Yeah. And she was confused when I explained here that, that we can't do that. And she's like, oh, you guys are like California. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we're, if, if that makes you understand us, then yes, we're California, you're Florida. Yeah. And uh, she was like 45 days. Yeah. That's the latest. And generally <clears throat> cash for keys is really low because tenants know if they don't pay, mm. they're, they're going to get out. Yeah. So cash for keys is like $200. Well, and it goes to a court of law too. It doesn't go to a tribunal. Oh, I never checked. Oh right? yeah. She was it talking goes, about that. To, she was you, talking about that's you, right. You actually yeah, yeah. sit in front of a judge and you actually need uh, oh my a gosh. real estate lawyer, right? Oh my gosh. Cash for keys, $200. That'd be amazing. Can you imagine that here? Yeah. They said, well, there's a lot of things. Yeah. Even, even having the evictions. Cause afterwards when you get the judgment, they're like, well, we don't really have problems with that if they don't leave because they know that we're going to get the judgment because of the way the laws are structured mm-hmm. that so no one even really, they really don't stick around. They're like, it happens on occasion, but really they're, they take, they get their stuff out of there and gone because they know that the judgment's coming. But a lot of, a lot of the challenges with that, you look at some of these you know, cases like non-payment of rent, if it's consistent or like, you know, this property that we were talking about where in 45 days there's 11 pages. If you were in Ontario, and I know this would never happen, but if you were to issue a a notice of non-renewal, that would solve probably half of the backlog. And we would probably be at something like 90 days. Like 90 days is three months. Like that cuts it in half. Mm -hmm. Like Even that is a little better, right, than a, a month and a half. But it's like, you know, put the power, like, I mean, we have to have some balance, right? Checks and balances. And we have to have balance between the landlord's rights and and the tenant's rights, but it's swung way too far, right? Where it's like, you know, you have these landlords that are being held hostage by these tenants and and they can't get them out and they, you know, appeal, 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 appeal. And it's like one more chance and one more chance. But how do you do that? So I I agree with you. It makes sense. But 
with our political system right now, the way it's structured, they'll never do it. Well, they don't yeah, have the well, courage. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not just the courage. They can't get the votes. With less and less people being able to own properties, right? And I'm not trying to trigger a Bitcoin talk from Tom, okay? <laughs> but with less and less. So, sorry, did someone say Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> but with less and less people being able to own them, more and more people are renters. More and more people are going to vote for that which only benefit which benefits them so it's almost the chances of it going in reverse so seem slim because you would need a pretty big overhaul but then I, I but then at the same time you look at that in so look take florida as an example you 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 look at that there and you think well there's a good chunk of people that are renting there as well and they haven't changed it well they were an interesting example on many fronts because they, we started freaking out also about rent control and just they have no rent control they have no rent control but on the flip side where the market takes care of itself because there's no rent controls there was a lot of people who built a lot of property. So right now in certain areas of Florida, they actually have quite a bit of Excess supply. supply yeah. And guess what the rental increase this year is in the area of Jackson, in that area just outside Jacksonville, 2%. Yeah. So no regulation. And before, during the pandemic, it was going really high. Like they went up to 25% one year yeah, raising rent because there was no supply. So then the that signals to the market, yeah. to developers, oh my gosh, the new rent is this amount. I can now Still. afford to go buy, and, uh, lay, buy, buy some labor, buy some material, build some properties. New supply comes on and now it kind of settles down any more rent increases and you have new supply. Whereas here, you, not only does the rent control prevent really purpose-built rentals being built, existing properties that need renovation, if you have to spend a lot of capital expenditure to increase the value of that or, or fix up the property, you're kind of trying not to because you can't raise the rent to justify the new expenses. But maybe that's the uh, compromise, right? You leave rent control. You, still, you also have the 2018 loophole, right, which does spur purpose Can you rentals. explain that? <clears throat> yeah, so the 2018 loophole is basically any new purpose-built rental, including newly constructed basement units, is exempt from rent control. So this year is 2.5%, right? Anything that was built after that, there is no loophole, or there is no uh, rent control. So you can raise it well above 2.5%. But, uh, you know, going back to kind of what you were talking about, it's like you want to balance rates, leave rent control in, and give landlords the opportunity to, to not renew the tenant, right? Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it would create this and that, and like, you know, people would be homeless. And it's like, no, they can go and find something else, but it would promote good behavior. And not all tenants are terrible. Don't get me wrong. No, it is the minority. Right. I would it's, say the vast mi minority. Five percent. Yeah. Right? Like it, it, yeah, and just like there's bad land, just like you, you know, 100%. there's bad land. There are bad landlords. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so it goes both ways. Not like every landlord's perfect for sure. I mean, look what's happening now with people renting out mattresses, and you see ads for sharing a mattress. Like it's just this ridiculous things, right? Utility like rooms, landlords. right? Utility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's just some there. of the stuff that's going on now. Like especially with you know to international student stuff, it's kind of gross. My favorite know? student rental story ever is one of my friends who was at Mac was renting out a room that was behind the furnace. So you would go into the basement, then there was proper bedrooms, but he was renting out a space that you had to go duck underneath, like past basically the furnace room. Yeah. And what they had done is put a cloth behind the furnace. Where Harry Potter lives, right? Harry Potter was there. Oh, was he? Yeah, I saw him. Shared the room? Yeah, he was there. There was another tunnel <laughs> there and there was other things going on there too. Gremlins coming out of the... Yeah, well, I mean, that that's, was a real room. And that's a major save. I mean, especially right behind the furnace. Like, I mean... Oh my this God, is, this is a disaster. And then another one, um, another student rental, I'll never forget, they had the bedroom. And to get to the washroom was basically a tunnel. Were you there with me? 
It was a drywall tunnel that wasn't square. So the ceiling was kind of like crooked a little bit. The walls looked, you know, plumb, but the ceiling was crooked. And then you had to, so you had to duck down. It was only like three and a half feet and you had to kind of crawl through there and you would pop out the other side and you were into a full size washroom. You, you don't remember that one? No, I don't. It was the weirdest one. I'll never, I'll never forget that. I'm like, what is happening you guys here? Have the best stories. So what, how best. is that a house? I, I never, I could never. I remember kind of looking at this thing, going, "What is this?" I can't remember why that had to be like that, and the structure of the house was crazy. Can you believe that? But anyway, that's why some of these municipalities have licensing, right? Like the city of Thorold, which is in Niagara. That's why they brought in licensing in 2017 for like people that were doing this, all the properties that were near Brock University and people were renting out like utility rooms next to the furnace. That's not. A oh, they were outside Brock too. hundred percent. Well, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, all the student rentals at Brock are typically in Thorold. Like there's one pocket, um, you know, in Glenridge which is kind of near the university, but a majority of the student rentals in St. Catharines that are close to Brock are in Thorold. And that's why they brought in, in 2017, they brought in uh, licensing. Are you noticing a lot of international students in properties either you manage or that you're just hearing that so, are renting? Yeah, so we're doing, um, we've gotten a lot of you know, like international students, but we've also done a lot of international leasing. In the last six months, I've done more international leasing than I have in the last six years. And so what do you mean by that? Someone new coming So to- basically people coming to Canada with, with either a job or no job from countries like um, we've, de- we've placed uh, tenants from Mexico, India, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, um, Ukraine. Um, so legally arriving here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, they, and they either have jobs, they are either coming for school or they have um, you know, cash in hand and are looking for, you know, a better life. And your screening, pro- we've talked about this briefly. Yeah. Sco- what, can you share what your screening process is or part of it? So how yeah. different is it than a regular person? Well, and that's the thing, right? Like the interesting thing, um, you know, um, being a realtor as well as I have a lot of realtors that reach out to the management company or to me personally. And they're like, and they typically work with, um, international, international clients from a particular com- uh, country, right? So, one agent that I know, she's Portuguese. She gives me everyone from Brazil. I have another woman, she's Spanish. She gives me everyone from Mexico and, and Spain, right? So it's really interesting. And it's like, I've asked him a couple- say, So far, it's not adding up. She's Portuguese, getting everyone from Brazil. Then your next example was Spain, getting everyone from Mexico. No, but then you threw in Spain. So then, right. okay. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. So, but like the but other- I get it. They speak Portuguese in Brazil. Like, right. It makes sense. Yeah, but the other like the other interesting thing is like, you ask them, I'm like, how are you getting access to, and they're, they're all very cagey on how they do it but like in terms of how they find these yeah people. so i guess these canadian realtors are running ads in those countries that I guess, help right. them get property in canada we had uh, the, the one of the properties we just picked up is um is, well, it's a brazilian couple that went in there and they are um they were they actually went for another unit first and it was similar. And the person there, the landlord of that of that unit, said because they were international, didn't have a they were they were here for about a year, almost a year and a half, I believe. And um, so they didn't have a long track record here. He's like, well, you know, I want a security deposit. And the agent was like, well, you know, you, you actually can't ask for a security deposit. Like you can't you can't mandate that. And he's like, no, no, I'm not mandating it. I just want them to offer one. <laughs> So because they was a smart answer, yeah. But then they didn't. So then they just walked yeah, away yeah. from him, and then they yeah, probably wise to move on. Yeah, and I, I think you know she said it was much easier dealing with 
with uh, with with us was dealing with them, so it made it made a difference. Yeah. And so, how are you? What are you doing that's different in these scenarios? It, so, I think the biggest thing um, is you need to mitigate the risk, right? Because they're typically not coming to Canada with a job, with you know an Equifax credit score or anything like that. So we have to find ways to mitigate the risk. And it's it's interesting, like with some clients where it's like you basically come to them with it. And at first, a lot of them were like, no, 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 no. And this is kind of where I, you know, would use some of your lines, right, on immigration. And, you know, this is not, you know, where I basically say to the investor, it's like, look, immigration is coming, right? Like, and using some of the numbers that we've talked about, right, in terms of like, you know, um, you know, 40% of immigration is happening, you know, is arriving in Ontario, is arriving in Ontario. And of that 40%, half of it is landing in the GTA. Right. And the GTA is, you know, really it's the GTHA, right? The Greater Toronto and Hamilton area. So it's, you know, Toronto West. So it's more so, okay, how do we mitigate that risk? Right. They don't have T4 income. Right. They may or may not have a job. They may have money in the bank. But how do we mitigate the risk that they may or may not have a job and they may or may not have a credit score? So we have to find ways to work around that. Right. And basically do that. Sometimes we, put them on a, on a zoom where it's basically like, okay, like meet the, meet the landlord, ask some questions. And, you know, I'll prep the client to be like, here's some questions you should ask. Um, but I remember like the first one or two I did. And one of the agents said to me, they're like, Jay, like they're coming to Canada for a better life. They're not coming to game the system. They don't know what the landlord tenant board is and they don't care. And if they were to run out of money, they would just leave. That's a good point. Right. And that really was kind of like the, the hammer over my head because Part of me was like, okay, I don't know how to do this, right? So it was kind of like, this is where, you know, you put on, like you take off your property management hat on, off and you put your agent hat on. It's like, okay, like if we're going to do this deal, how do we do it together? How do we work together? Because at the end of the day, it benefits both of us because we get paid on that deal, right? But at the same time, I have to effectively represent the landlord and protect the landlord uh, and their interest. And they have to do the same, right? Like like Nick talked about, right? With with that. What other more? Agent. So then, just putting them on a Zoom and getting their story, I guess, is what's helping the most. Just having communication. <clears throat> that's part, and that's part of it. But then it's like, you know, the other thing that I always tell investors is that you don't want to set people up to fail. Can they afford it? Right. So there's other things that we do, and and I think we might be talking about that, and you know, in a future event that we're going to do together. But um, it's just more so, how do you? Like, how do, how do you kind of mitigate that risk, right? So, I mean, there's a few different things, but it's more so, you know, the two big ones are, you know, credit score, which, you know, a lot of investors are like, oh, I need a 680 credit score. And it's like, well, Holy they, they have no 680 yeah, credit. Yeah. There's no 680 yeah. credit score and they may or may not have a job, right? Or a guarantor or like we've even so had- So this is a regular thing that you're doing. It's been very regular over the last six to 12 months, right? And it's just, it's, you know, I'm amazed, right? With some of these um, realtors, they just reach out. And uh, especially with the way the market's been the last year, more agents than not have reached out to me directly. Hey, I'm on your website, because we put all of our rental listings on our website. Hey, I'm on your website. I see you have one, two, three Main Street for rent. Can I go and show it? Because a lot of them will know that I, I will pay commission, right? <laughs> so it's been really what? interesting where, uh, you know, a lot of, inv- like a lot of agents have transitioned with, you know, the, mar- the, the sales market kind of drying up, if we can call it that. Um, they need to transition to something else. So a lot of them are, are, are doing leasing. Wow. I'm just thinking of all the ways 
different population <clears throat> growth streams are happening in Canada. You got international students. Our, our just straight up immigration yeah. is strong. Well, the there NPR, are a lot the, of yeah. people coming. Well, just to the NPR, NPR numbers, not from students, are, have grown quite a bit too, right? Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. So yeah. I, you mentioned something about the the rent increase from the date, the 2018 date, but that's just just to clarify um, for anyone listening, because I think that's only on the first tenant that that applies, right? No. Are you sure? Yeah, I think we should. I, I, I think I feel like we've gone I, down we're, this rabbit hole like three times, I've, and I think no. uh, I think always you and I think of it that way, and I think we're always wrong on it. So anyone, I know after, we need to verify this one. No, I've I've ver. I look, yeah, I'll let me look it up. Okay. <laughs> This has come up with us. I swear to God, every time it comes up, we always kind of get a different answer, I feel like. My understanding, and I could be wrong, and if I am, I'm, I'm happy to be overruled, and I'm sure if I am wrong, I'll get a nasty email from, from someone, but uh, uh, uh. my understanding is that the 2018 loophole is for any and all tenants, for any unit built after 2018. Let's see. Nick, Nick's on Nick's on the case. Let's see what he finds. And then in the meantime, Jay, I just want to transition a little bit to a conversation around um, rents, just straight up dollar price on rents. How have you seen it since uh, you know you've been here? A lot, you know, let's just call it the last six months. Are rents uh, up, stable, down a little bit, up? What are you seeing? So, are vacancies up? A lot of more listings available. Yeah. Give us a in the in the market and explain the markets you're yeah, talking okay. about. What markets would you be talking about? So when you answer this? yeah, so we service the uh, the Hamilton Niagara region. Um, what we've seen is rents for the most part have been stable. We've seen some, you know, depending on on the particular property and unit. Like I would say, like there's some areas where it's been down like a little bit, but like negligible, like a couple percentage points. But um, I mean, a lot of it, it depends on kind of, you know, the area that you're in, like one city that, uh, that we operate in Welland is that there's a lot of supply. There's a lot of supply. A lot of new supply, a lot of investors creating supply for existing resale. Both. There's yeah, okay. uh, at one point um, throughout the past year, there was something like 125 uh, private rentals available for rent on uh, rentals.ca. So that became okay. challenging where it's like we we proactively reached out to our clients to be basically be like, look, um, you know, there's 125 units. We send them a link so they can verify it. Um, we need to differentiate ourselves because if you look at them all, it's the same floor plan, it's the same finishes. And how do you differentiate same. in that situation? So you have to find ways to do that, right? So maybe it's things like, you know, offering a rental, like an incentive or a signing bonus. Or Funny, we haven't done that kind of stuff in so long. People have forgotten that we used to do that kind of yeah. thing. Back in 2000, I think maybe around 2011, 11, we were doing incentives like that. Like even some people were offering first free month and uh, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so I'll, sorry, go ahead. What, what, what I was going to say is when we started Read. renting out, but Nick has the information, I just want, I'll, I'll just share that it's on this very standard for us to have six to eight weeks to fill a, a rental property. Yep. But then in the last couple of years, it got so crazy. I guess with the pandemic and stuff, people went down to six to eight hours. And now that it's gone back to a typical six to eight week time frame, everyone's kind of losing their mind. And online, I see some posts saying how there's so much supply and it's taking over a month to find, you know, a tenant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's really what we've always dealt with. Like yeah. it's going back to the six to eight week time frame is what it took us to fill properties. That's kind of normal. But people are calling that as if the sky is falling. And we're just kind of going back to like historical averages. It's just so, not been insane anymore. Yeah. So between now and March, so basically between 
um, well, we're <clears throat> recording this in January, but uh, between September and March, it's six to eight weeks. That's what we tell yeah. all of our clients. And then our busy season is April till September. And between that time frame, it's four to six weeks. Yeah. Right. And it depends on kind of the area. And, like and then we always had lulls, like always around December leading up to Christmas. It was hard to fight against Santa. So yep. you lost people's interests. And we always found a lack of demand in the later half of June. We didn't know if it was just schools ending up, you know, ending or what it was for any vacancies we dealt with. If it was the last couple of weeks of June, for whatever reason, took us a long time to find a tenant. Yeah. I don't know if it was leading into the summer or what it was. And people had already found their place for September 1st or something. But that was always a slow time for us as well. What have you found? Uh, yeah, I'm not convinced either way. I know. Every time we go into this, I feel like that's what it happened. No. So the, the, the answer when I asked this question before was, um, it's kind of lengthy. There's multiple points to consider before making the determination. So of course, you know, so it's not just like a, a, a black and white thing. And, and there are when you look, but the, it is section 6.1 of the Residential Tendencies Act. And when I went there and looked, it looks like, Jay, I believe you're correct that it is yes. boom, 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 boom. no that I, yeah that i think but but i but I, it depends i'm not a, yeah it's like a weird thing so spoken uh, like we're not hey we're not willing to give you the crown of king spoken yeah. like a truth <laughs> oh, i'll give you the crown i mean i hope that's the case like you know what i mean i'm not i'm Me not too. trying to i'm not trying to battle you on that one at all Me i too, just, or i'm gonna get in trouble uh, the same person you're so, reading that from yeah so. <laughs> oh jeez. yeah but then when i went in it seems like it it doesn't seem like it's like a one-time thing it does seem like it's an exemption across the board i don't know why i still had it stuck so in my head a, that it, was it a has to be a new unit built yes after after 2018 i think it's november november, november 15th i yeah. believe 2018 if it's a new unit built if it's a in uh, a unit is defined as oh what? there's there's a million okay yeah well, it's like a, an apartment building but the other thing but at it, first no one really realizes and i'm sure some investors don't realize this um like for example one of my properties in st Catharines, we just added uh, a secondary unit in the basement that is covered under that, even though the house so the, was built in 1970. But it's with stipulations, I think, right. from what I was reading. Right. If you're renting the main floor, it has to abide by, by rent, control. rent controls. But if you but have a new whole, unit in right. the basement, exactly. legal, second suite, exactly. ADU. Provided it goes by these, by these stipulations in six level, you don't, section 6.1. Don't uh, everyone section check 6.1. Yeah. yeah, we're not lawyers, so yeah, this is yeah, not yeah, legal yeah. advice. Yeah, it's me- it's messy. It's messy. But yes, it seems, there's a solid chance That's that, wild. It, that it can. But it, it'll depend on where the entrance is, where, where, if that entrance existed before, what was used for. So everybody before. has to turn there's, put on their lawyer hat and read section 6.1. Like, like, but it would mean that also, like, I guess, asleep. garden suites and laneway housing additional. Those, could, I think, are yeah. a little bit more straightforward. I yeah. believe sure. those ones. It's a should. separate thing altogether. It's a new structure, so yeah. conceivably that but would that's be. Still, but then it still depends but on But then there's no not. rent control if a tenant stays. There's no rent control. No, the the rent increase. Yeah, yeah. There's no the rent increase does not apply. Yeah, in those cases. This, yeah, it can be above two and a half. For sure, for the first tenant, seventy five percent chance for the second or more. What about the third one? Fifty percent. Third, yeah, we dry drops twenty five percent every tenant. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so that, that fourth for the that new, fourth tenant, the new place that was built that you just closed on. Yeah, there's no, there's no rent control. No. The, the, How have they allowed that? In where we're in socialist no, but Canada, they used to, how we're no, doing but, that. But hold on, that was just put back in place. They, it used to be yeah. when we were doing this. Do you remember the, the date? Do you remember the up. old date? Ninety something, ninety eight. Yeah, ninety six. Wasn't 96, it ninety six, ninety eight? Yeah, because that used yeah, to be I remember. the date. Anything yeah. after ninety six, yeah. and then who got in power? I guess the Liberals got in power provincially. They took it out, and they got <clears> rid of that. They said, "No, we're closing. We're closing that." So this is yeah. Doug Ford's so government. Doug Ford, to put it back yeah, in. Yeah, he came back in, and they put it as of this date, this twenty eighteen date. 
Hmm. So they just basically just basically moved forward from the 90s until now. Because, but, that, yeah, that was the argument, right? Because none of the developers were, you know, like the government was like, we want you to build purpose-built rentals. And they're like, screw you, I'm not doing that because I'm not going to make any money and I can only raise the rent 2.5%. So then he heated, like Doug Ford heated that call and basically said, okay, we'll take out, we'll, we'll put the loophole back in. But that that will change the dynamic. I like how Jay calls it a loophole. Well, what do you want to call it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Proper. <laughs> but that'll it'll change the dynamics pretty quick when that eventually changes back. Because I guess that some government's going to rip that back out. Because that's it's it's weird to tie it to a date, mm-hmm. 2018. You know, like that doesn't seem like the right way to yeah, do it. Yeah, it's a bit of an arbitrary number. But, yeah, but. It, you'd think that it's going to, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but but it, it just changed. The incentives all change. Like people won't. Like one of the biggest challenges. Look at student properties right now, right? So one of the big benefits of student properties that you can see over the last couple of years, besides how rents have exploded because of like abnormal immigration, just even remove that, is that every three years, typically two to three years, right? The tenants will move on, and you get to reset your rents on market rents. That's generally what happens with the student properties. Mm-hmm. That's like a benefit to student properties. Right. It's good and bad to everything. The downside of, of like long, a long-term tenant is like they're paying way under market rent. Now, they mm-hmm. might be there for a long period. Like we have. Yeah. But, they, but, but they're great. But they're great. They've been there. You know what I mean? Take they're care of the property. Self-liquidating the asset, that right. whole thing. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, you do have now an underperforming asset <clears throat> because of, of these. So then it's less incentive for people to be able to provide this type of housing. Because in some ways, if you look at it, we're we're providing subsidized housing. That like is the us, right way. Us as of private, course. Well, yeah. that is the way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. So us as private investors, and not just us, many investors. Yeah. Yep. It, it's the, we're the subsidized housing solution. The government's too incompetent to be able to figure out anything, mm-hmm. get their head out of their own butt. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, you look okay. at what's going on now in Canada, right? With interest rates climbing. Like I have properties that I bought in 2016. That tenant is still there. Can you imagine what they're renting it for? And yeah, what my you're subsidizing is? now. Totally, right? Flips both ways. Interest rates drop, then right. you're generating I, cash flow from that property. Uh, flips sure. the other way, and that's the madness of centralized planning. But you know, and that's, that's what you I get. Think, yeah. yeah, and that's what I think a lot of but us are not even from the interest because the interest rates matter for sure. And I'm not even talking from the cash flow component. I'm you're just talking about what mar- market rent is versus the asset, whether it's real estate or anything yeah. else. Right? If you rent cars and the cars are renting for whatever 150 bucks a day but you your cars can only rent for 50 dollars a day for whatever reason you now have assets that are underperforming their value mm-hmm. is then linked to that yeah it's like if you're doing uber you're always getting the market rate for your rides yeah. so whatever you're doing you're getting the market rate it's not an underperforming service because you're always getting market whereas in real estate once rates are locked in and controlled from a central authority but the costs associated with the property kind of fluctuate you can have an underperforming asset. It would be performing at the same, yeah, against the price you purchased at, it's always gonna be working But you're well. still winning, but then, right? You, you, both of you guys talk about this, right? If you own assets, you're winning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you may not be winning now because it's like we always talk about kind of, you know, there's, you know, there's appreciation, there's mortgage totally down, right? There's tax efficiencies oh, yeah. that you tax can get from yeah, 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 cash yeah. flow, right? So we're only taking really one. We're driving in on this one point, and you're right. Oh, I totally, almost think yeah. I almost think that uh, sometimes when I go to a bank machine, and uh, I haven't done this actually in a little while. Gone is to there the bank still, machine? No, I've gone to a bank machine, oh, okay. but does there, do they show a savings button anymore? You know, before it used to be checking savings. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do, do they? Yeah, I think so. And I always uh, remember pressing the TD green one when it was a button, not like on a screen now, but I'm like, why don't they just replace that with a picture of a house? 
because no one's savings in their savings account. Like the savings account now has become real estate. Yeah. So like they shouldn't have that. It should just be checking account and a picture of a house yeah. and you press the button of the house. <laughs> And that's where your rent comes in. That's where your mortgage is going out of. Like that's, but let's face it. Like the savings account in Canada, unfortunately has become a house. And the reason for that is because it's a second order effect of Any, the madness. Anything but cash yeah. in a savings yeah. account. You know, I looked, I got an offer from um, one of the online banks that, that I have an account with. And it was like, you can, you know, for the next six months or something, any money you put in will earn an interest rate. I think it was 5.25, 4.25. Anyways, like Jeez. based on today's environment, considering it's like just sitting there in cash, I'm like, it's huge. that's actually like good. I'm like, what does it actually earn now? Because rates have gone up. So I figured it would be half decent. And those online banks typically pay more interest. Right. 0.7%. No. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, it's still 0.7%. I guess does this, go, does this go to how they, they crazy. yeah, how um, some of the bond market has reacted and the way their deposits, yeah, why wouldn't they want more deposits? I know, it's pretty, zero. I was just surprised that it was still at 0.7 because typically the online ones offer, you know, they don't yeah. over, they offer a little bit better rates and I'm like, wow, it's still under one even in today's, you know, environment. I, I was surprised by that. Yeah, there we go. It's not a savings account. You should have a picture of a little house or if you want to save in Rolex watches, you should have the option. I would like the savings icon on my TD banking to show something else. Rolex watches. See what he's trying to do I, here? He's trying to sway the conversation yeah, over to Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I thought you were going to say to the Maple Leafs. <laughs> so you have a second thing here. At 0.7, I could I could get a bag of Hershey bars. Wasn't that a, and, and sell wasn't it that the mortgage interest rate? No, like I'm, I'm trying to honor Nick and not bring up Bitcoin, so now I'm just bringing up socialism instead. Amazing. amazing. <laughs> it's another way. Can we get some granola? In, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> I heard socialism was the answer. It's just because it was never done right before. Oh gosh, yeah, it's trendy. Well, now. Yeah, it is, it is trendy. Uh, like yeah, <laughs> oh geez, I want to go down there. Um, Jay, I wanted to talk to you just about uh, for someone who hasn't heard this in a little while, or maybe they have properties and they haven't rented them out. Can you just give us ballpark in Niagara? I like hearing that from you. Yeah, whatever. And I know you have to generalize, and I know it's area by area. Sure. But can you give us just ballpark on rent if it's a uh, you know different property styles, just yeah. some numbers yeah, so people yeah. can hear them. Yeah, for sure. Um, a majority of our clients are, you know, legal duplexes. They buy brick bungalows and, and then convert them into secondary units. Um, you're typically three bed, one bath on the main floor and a two bed, one bath in the basement. So main floors, three bed, one bath are typically going for uh, roughly, I would say 23 to 25, 2600 for the main floor okay. plus, plus utilities, right? Um, and then in the basement, you're you're pretty much between 1700 um, and I would say 1850 plus utilities. So adding that, you're you're kind of you're roughly at about what's that four, just over four grand, roughly mm, 45, something 45, like that, 46. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, on, on that's pretty good. So I mean, that's like that's Niagara. Um, single family homes, like three bed, two bath, um, you're roughly, I would say 27, 2800 plus. And that's utilities. Niagara region that's, as well? That's Niagara. Okay. Right. Hamilton negligible. Like you're, you're usually like a couple hundred bucks off, but like the interesting thing about that is the purchase price. Right. Um, so in Hamilton, you're roughly about a hundred K more, right? St. Catharines, well in that you're, you're roughly about a hundred K less and, you know, in Hamilton, like I said, like that twenty three, twenty five is roughly about you know twenty twenty four 
to 26 or 25 to 27 kind of deal, depending on that um, for a main floor. And then same thing with the basement, right? Like you were seeing more two bedroom, one baths uh, for about 2K. Wow, this metropolitan area is really just going to go. I used to say from like Durham or Oshawa over to like Hamilton. Now it's really going to be like Kingston eventually to Niagara. Well, this will it is yeah it is it is now. Well, what would happen in the London area? London, I can't believe London. We stayed away from London for years, other than student rentals, because we would actively tell people it's just not going to appreciate. Yeah. London well, there was an appreciation, just like say St. Catharines, there was no appreciation for St. Catharines, yeah. there was no appreciation. London, there was no appreciation. Windsor, there was no appreciation. All these areas are getting appreciation. Yeah. But we're saying it's going to go over to Niagara, but really on the, it's, it's going to go over to Niagara on, on the south part of it, on the QEW, but on the, on the top part, if you're thinking Durham to wherever, it's not going to end where, you know, because we used to never go like more Brantford. north of Barrie. Well, yeah, but Niagara's the equivalent of Brantford. It's going to go right over to London and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, one of my joint venture partners on, on a property I have, him and his wife, um, moved to Napanee and they've been buying up Belleville like crazy for the last two years. Like That's been, a great yeah, area. They've been doing yeah. duplexes. They're now yeah. doing garden suites. Um, you know, he was a big uh, a software guy with, uh, with Intuit that owns QuickBooks. Uh, him and his wife basically quit their jobs. They're doing real estate full time. And he basically has investors being like, you know, he blasts yeah. everything out on Instagram and he's got investors being like, I have this, let's do this. So, and he's done extremely well there. It's a, there's a lot of nice air, like there's a lot of nice, I don't mean home pockets, like just nature things like around Prince Edward County and yep. the coastline yep. and that type of stuff. Like it's yep. an, it, to your point, it's a nice area. Sandbanks, provincial parks out there, right? There's like, there's a number of things just in that greater area mm-hmm. around Belleville. It's kind of, it's like even the driving up to Collingwood now. You see new subdivisions like Shelburne. There, you see that yeah, like yeah. there was nothing there before. Now there's a brand new. Well, there was houses there and a no frills, and now all of a sudden there's a Starbucks and a brand new McDonald's with multi lane drive through LCBO, a brand new food yeah. land. Like everything's there now. I always laugh because I see the great the one of the one of the, the well the main develop, new development that's been going on there for a little while is Graybrook's kind of involved in that. And whenever I see the Graybrook sign, I'm like, I never invested in that project with them. But I, I look at it and I'm just like, wow, I could have invested in this project. I would have had no idea what Shelburne was. I know. Now I'd drive by and be like, oh, I, you yeah, know, I was involved. I participated in this. In yeah, this. Yeah. Um, what, uh, Jay, that's interesting. You brought up that about the, you know, those people who quit their jobs and stuff. How did you, how did you make this transition to property management from the corporate world? Like, can you just like walk through that? Cause you never had, this. I came to your class and you created <laughs> a monster. And yeah. Cause that's, is that what I was supposed to say on that paper you told me to write? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> what happened, right? Like you, you went into the corporate world, you started buying properties and then you just, what you decide you're going to start a property management company. So, um, a couple of things happen, right? So, I mean, obviously I started out as a member, uh, a rock star learned all the fundamentals of like buying my own properties. I have my own properties, so I built my own portfolio. Um, and then uh, my wife at the time, she was a realtor, um, and then basically, you know, was working with investors. And then it was like, you know, we were working with a lot of investors from Toronto, and uh, you know, they liked the idea of building wealth. They didn't like the idea of taking the calls, picking the tenants, and and dealing with the day to day. So she came up with this great idea that, well, Jay has property management company. Jay did not have a property management company, so Jay quickly had to go and- You were assigned the property management yeah. role. Well, and it, like the other thing too was this, right? Like when we had our own properties is that uh, she was very good at buy, like finding the properties. Okay, you were naturally inclined to managing them. Well, I was more cleaning up the mess, which was like <laughs> filling them, making sure they cash flow, dealing with all the maintenance, right? So that was my job and I became very good at it. And then when started, she started working with investors, that's kind of when 
I was like, okay, like, so I started managing other people's properties. And then just, um, I was working in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and then in 2018, like that industry was, you know, contracting, right? So it was very cyclical, right? A new CEO would come in, would be there for five years. They would leave, a new CEO would come in, bring in a new leadership team, yeah. and they would bring in their own people. So every five years, I was getting a package. Um, you know, bringing in my fleet car and going to the next company to get a new fleet car and work there. So after about, I guess it was about the third time in 2018, I got packaged out um, and I just didn't go back to work. My my son was uh, just shy of one years old. So I got to be a stay-at-home dad for a little bit, which was awesome. I remember and, that era, yeah. And uh, I used to come to the meetings with yeah, the bucket carrier and yeah, bring him to the yeah, meetings. Yeah, yeah. And that was uh he was a he was a bit of a he's six now so he's uh you know now he's uh, on on two feet so it's like chasing after him um but uh yeah so i mean that's basically what i did i i basically took the package i was running the management company more as a side hustle and then i was like okay let's let's build this up so um that was in 2018 um well i started the company in 2016 but in 2018 it was like okay like let's let's build it up um and that's really how the company started and then how are the software programs these days? When Nick and I tried to go down this path, that was back in 2009, 2010, era, the software packages were just absolutely horrendous. Like just for managing maintenance requests or even just literally paying out rent and generating yeah. good reports. Have they come a long way? Um, they're getting better. Um, the challenge is, is that they're all American. Right. Number yeah. one. Yeah. Number two, the the property management industry in Canada is light years behind where it is in the US. <laughs> is it? Um, so we've, you know, I think that's really kind of been our weakness is just the property management software hasn't been there. We've tried you to seem work. to have navigated that so well. We have. That's the biggest weakness. Like in, in terms of managing um, maintenance requests, like we, um, you know, I'll tip my hand a little bit. Like we use Monday.com, which mm -hmm. is a, a project management software. I think you guys use. We Asana. used to use Monday for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think you guys use something similar. Yeah, correct. But that's what we've been able to do. And that's really kind of served as our hub. So all maintenance is going through Monday. Goes through there. And we have a board that has everything. We're able to kind of send out, give notice, send emails. Um, you know, it has an open API, which, you know, can connect with pretty much everything. Um, and why, why would you be connecting that to, are you reconnecting that to some of your backend billing? Stuff? So we're connecting it more to, you know, other, other software. So like we use Gmail, uh, MailChimp, stuff like that. Right. So it's got, mm. you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned and I'm not a big techie, it's more like, how do we use, you know, the importance of an open API and how that works and how that that's wild that you made like that, that leap. That's, it, that, it's baptism by fire. You just have to kind of like, I know you guys were both in so, the software industry before. So right? you use Gmail and with the API into Monday, then you can what, pull up somebody's service request? Well, so. we can serve notice. So like with the, like basically they fill out a form. Who's for, they? So the, the resident will fill out a form if they have like a leaky faucet, something okay. like that. Name, address, your, you know. Through a website? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a Monday form. Okay. And then, you know, and then there's something there that basically is like, if you feel, you know, upload a photo, if you think it's helpful. Okay. And then they click submit. When they click submit, because we've linked Monday to Gmail, they get an automated email right away that says, we've received your maintenance request. Awesome. Someone will be in touch with you in 24 hours. And then what we do is we change, once we change the status in Monday to be like assigned, the resident gets another email. Your work order has been assigned. Oh, awesome. Someone will be in touch with love you. Every that. stage along the way. Right. Love yeah. that. And, then and I'm sure we, the residents love that And then too. when we enter the, the time, 
sends them another email that says the, you know, the, the plumber is coming, you know, Thursday between two and four. Oh my gosh, they're loving right? that. And then, and then if two to four doesn't work, can they re- reach back out to you? Typically, like if it does, like they'll respond, like they can respond, right? Because it, it comes as an email. It says, you know, yeah, so like, now there's, like no, like, there's no communication. You're streamlining things nicely we're, there. We're, yeah, like we've, we've, it's been a work in progress to get there. And, and every so often it's like, okay, well, I can't be there. Oh, I have a dog or I have this. And then it's like, we can rebook that. But the whole point is really to improve that resident experience. And that's really one of the things that I've always huh. focused on with my team, because, you know, we talked about those numbers, you know, you know, $4,500 a month that these residents are paying for, uh, you know, a property that, what, mm-hmm. 600, 700, which is not, you know, still a lot of money. You mean 600, 700,000 to purchase To it. purchase yeah. it, right? So yeah. those numbers, when interest rates eventually come back down, you know, are gonna cash flow for the investor. Mm-hmm. But if they're if the resident is paying that, they expect a premium service. And it's indicative of us to do that, to give them that premium service. So that's what we're trying to do is just I you hope know, you don't break, dude. <laughs> speaking so nicely about all this stuff. Property management's tough. It's 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 tough. A full respect. It's tough for you to very, come this far. It's very reactive. Yeah. So it's hard. You, well, the you landlord, can be proactive in your systems, but the issues in the business are constantly reactive because there are, people are only reaching out to you when there's something wrong. Yeah. And well, the landlord's pissed off because they have money to spend that they didn't plan for. Tenants are pissed off because there's a problem. Everyone's pissed off and they're all pointing at the property manager. But the systems that he's creating kind of make that a little bit better. There's less communication. It's very streamlined. There's a, you know less communication. It's not perfect by any means, but it's a step in the right direction. And I think like the challenge is that the bar is so low, right? Yeah. And it's an oper- It's a, it's not a challenge, but it's an opportunity for you know any landlord, right? You don't have to be a property management company like me. This business is about people. It's kind of what we were talking about before. So it's like if you can put yourself in the resident's shoes, because. The biggest, the thing that happens is this, is once they're in, there's a flow, right? And the flow is this, is that everything is calm and then something happens to upset that flow. It's typically, you know, a maintenance thing. Something's broken, something happened. So now they're, now they're stressed. Now they're like, when can I get it fixed? I want it fixed, right? And then it's like, okay, let's see when we can get you there. And what we've done internally is like, look, this comes in, we have to get back to the resident within 24 hours, right? And then they submit a maintenance request. That maintenance request has to be done within five business days. It's not to say that we it's going to take five business days to fix that leaky faucet. Yeah, but that's the goal of, of right. And if everybody right knows that, right. And well, then the other and then the other piece of it is you know obviously like the the caveat to that is that if it's an external vendor and we can't control that right like they're busy they're backed up. What are you doing with landlords and just communicating with them? Do you collect? You, you're collecting yeah. rent, and then when do they get the rent? How are they communicated on that side? So, yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, like, basically, rent's due on the first. There's no exceptions. If if that doesn't happen, we're issuing what's called an N4 notice for non-payment of rent. Um, and then what happens is the between the 5th and the 7th of the month, we're dispersing rent. We disperse rent through a direct deposit. Um, and then that takes you know, anywhere between three to five business days, depending on, on their banks and holidays and vacation, sorry, banks and, and, and weekends and stuff like that. So typically between the 10th and the 12th, they get their rent. And how are tenants paying you mostly? Um, <laughs> other than that one property know, where I have to go in cash. Yeah. Where I have to go and, you know, get my, uh, do- just, dollar I store. Joke, but I think book. Nick, you're still doing that on one property. Right. Don't they, you? They, I, I use it to go for a walk because it's relatively close to my house. 
So yeah. if I tell, if I ask, so it's not if, totally, if I'm, if I'm out of the country, I'm yeah. like, Hey, can you just e-transfer it to me? He will. But for some reason he, I guess he's an old school guy. He always gets cash yeah. for me. I think he's a contractor. I don't know if he makes cash too, no. or I don't know what the deal is. It's fine. Like, I mean, it's just, I would never seen that before. And I looked at the lease and <laughs> yeah, it's not in the lease. Like you <laughs> must you, pay cash. Are you for real? Lease. Right. So, but like most people, like we either do direct withdrawal or we'll do e-transfers. So we were kind of like, talking what's about the that. split on that e-transfers uh, versus direct withdrawal? Um, most people don't like direct withdrawal. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, it's like eighty percent e transfer. Yeah, okay. That's we're awesome. trying. To, we're trying to move people over there to kind of automate our business a little bit sure. more. Sure. Yeah. Because you know we just had not, January first, right? You can imagine how many people were late, right? Oh, oh I forgot. I'm yeah. still like, you know, I'm still, still on hungover. vacation yeah, mode yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, right? So, um, so that's a little bit different, but it's you know it's eighty. I would say eighty twenty. I mean, the other thing too, like going back to kind of. Um, you know, owners and how we're communicating with owners. One of the things that we started doing this year with our vendors, and we're starting to roll it out, we started rolling it out in Q4 with with our owners, um, is on maintenance. And it's taking maintenance from reactive, as Nick was saying, to proactive, right? So one of the things that we were doing with, with some of our vendors is that um, when they're in the property, we're asking them to look at some of the capital repairs, right? So for example, like our HVAC guy, we're like, so every fall we go out and we service the furnaces for the for the winter. And we've been doing that for years because that's something that I do in my properties because sure. we all know that the furnace breaks on the coldest day of the mm-hmm. year and the air conditioner breaks on the warmest day of the year. So we asked our, our HVAC guy, we started with him first, and we said, can you, when you're in there servicing them, can you give us an idea of the age of the, uh, age of the furnace and when you do the servicing, can you give us an idea of how much useful life is left, right? And he's well, you know, it depends. And I'm like, just ballpark it for me, right? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Smart. Right? And then and then we started out with our plumber. It's like, when you're in there, can you take a look oh, at yeah. some of the plumbing, right? That's so great. what we're trying to do is add value to what we're offering our owners. Because like, you, like I just finished saying, the furnace goes on the coldest day of the year. You're so right. My air conditioner, the last time it went at uh, my own home was the hottest day of the of year. And I, and Nick, I forget where we were going, um, but I was going on some guy's trip yeah. and I was leaving the family and with the air conditioner broken. So I quickly went to Canadian Tire and I got a couple of big fans to try to <laughs> suck the cold air from the basement and drive it up the stairs. Useless. Let me tell you, that didn't help at all. But I got these two fans and I had them like staggered in the stairs <laughs> trying to suck up the cold air oh and God. spread it through the house. I had to do something because I was literally like, hey, I'm going this awesome yeah. vacation. See everyone. I hope you don't melt. Love you. Know? you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it was like five days later and I was still getting calls of like, yeah, that's right. I had trouble. You know what? It wasn't the air conditioner. It was like the motor on the furnace that blows the cold air. Yeah. Oh, that was you, know, br- you had some special one too. Yeah, and they, they couldn't it fix it. Yeah. And it took like, basically like the day before I got back, it got fixed just perfectly for me to come home. Of course. Like, yeah, that was wild. I, we had a property where we were getting that morning. We were told that, hey, we should really change this furnace out. Like it's on its last legs. And I own this one with a friend. And he's like, no, we're not going to do it. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care either. And we left it and we got an extra, I must have been six, seven years at least you on and that I, property. You and I had a rent to own, and I remember on closing, we had no extra money for a new furnace, and I remember the home inspector saying, look, guys, this thing's not going to last another 90 days, never mind like three years or something like that, and we just couldn't do it at that time, and it was operational, safe and functional, right. like it was working. And it lasted the entire time. Remember, never. And he was convinced, I don't know if you remember this one, absolutely convinced this furnace is going down. And 
Right. Know, yeah, you just never. No, but I mean, it's it's a good thing to to know. The, the one thing that caught me when uh, did you, when you were saying interest rates, you know, when interest rates go back down, and I can't. I know. I every know, when time everyone's saying it, when everybody's saying it's, it's no, I'm not knocking on wood. It's just like when everyone's saying this, I'm like, but I get it. Like, get where it's coming from because people are so used to low rates. I also get where the economists are coming from because the economists are leading the way in the banks, saying, "Well, interest rates have to come back down," and but. You can't have real positive real yeah. rates. But it wasn't long ago that interest rates, even where they are today, were like unheard of. And people were like, well, like, you know, rates can't go down yeah. there. We need higher rates. But now that de- the debt has increased so much, it's like no one's saying it, like from the economist standpoint, yeah. no one's saying it, but they mu- why do interest rates need to go down? And it's because the debt's so, so hot. Like it's the one thing that's missing in this argument because I just... Just, I know. Like when I know. Everyone's it's what I like, think I, when, well, I, when he when said it, that too, yeah. I froze as well. When interest rates go down, when interest rates go down. Well, they oh. they kind of have to because if the debts grow, if 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 you know, if real rates, which are interest rates minus inflation, are positive, it means debt on the real rates is growing faster in the economy. Can't have that. So you need you need rates to come down because if inflation has come down, you can't have five percent interest rates and inflation of two percent. Real rates are three, or your so, inflation go back up, or and and that's when I'm personally kind of in the back of my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. is inflation about to turn? Because I'm kind of convinced, like, okay, we have an eighteen month window here where inflation is not going to just like v do a v u turn, like a sure. sharp u turn, and shoot back up. Where it is going to settle down for a little while, and rates are going to be able to come down, but. When they come down and then the next round of this, so they come down, then more liquidity enters, which creates more inflation. But because the size of everything is so big, the size of the debt is so big, the next round of inflation, the next round of liquidity that flushes in is just mathematically larger. So now the next round of inflation is going to be larger, which means there's going to need higher rates but than it, this round of rates. Yeah, it depends where it goes. But yeah, it depends it where it goes. But, I just mean all the numbers are nominally larger. So everything's larger. Yeah, but the debt was small. I don't know. I don't know if I, I buy into that one because when the debt was smaller, um, even as a percentage of GDP, I believe when they hiked rates, they hiked rates really high back in the late 80s, kind of early 90s. Mm. Rates got hiked very far that way with a, lo- a smaller number. I don't know if that correlation really holds true to, to the, the the rate matters with the amount that they put in. I guess it depends on the amount of the inflation to get it to slow down. But it doesn't matter the actual amount. Like if, if just because the stimulus is larger, if it actually ends up in, in you know, consumer prices with the shooting up more because for 10 12 years whatever we didn't have the consumer prices shooting up but hold on one second but, but geopolitically it's it's more than that because it's just not just debt geopolitically there's all these wars right onshoring yeah. of different where of, of different manufacturing yep. either friendly shoring to a friendly country or onshoring directly to your own yeah country. that's different but you were talking so about breaks of this no no but right. sorry but i just mean that's another factor in inflation yeah, yeah. well here's what i think where i think the, the challenge is, is is because the it, inflation is still embedded in people's minds. If they cut rates too soon, and even if the, the housing market starts to starts to trickle upwards, people still expect, well, yeah, well, price it's going to rebound. Like you hear all these people talking like, well, yeah, they'll cut rates and all goes back. 
And as soon as that starts, even if it happens a little bit, not just in housing prices, what's going to happen right away is people are going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to end up making money. This will be worth more. My line of credit. And speculation the, the, comes the, back. The renovations are going to start picking up. Material costs are going to go up. Yeah. Like if they don't. Party on. They, yeah, yeah. And it, it's going to just start driving it. And, and what's going to happen is it's driving it from a higher baseline, not from a higher price point. I mean, from a higher inflation baseline. Because even though they're saying whatever it is now, 3%, whatever crap they're telling us, we already know it's higher than that. Whereas it wasn't as high as it was before. So then we get that higher spike. I, you know, that's why I, I just, it's just, it's just interesting. I just feel like, you know, we were talking about this the other day. I just don't think the sentiment is gone of people feel like, yeah, inflation's coming back. So if people get squirrely about mm-hmm. it again, they're going to rush out and buy. The problems you just talked about onshoring and geopolitical and all the stuff, that creates constraints yeah. and then inflation drives again. I don't think I don't think it's gonna like so when I when I made that comment I don't think it's gonna come back down as quickly as it went up right I think everyone knows the mm-hmm. the elevator analogy right it always goes up quicker right and slower to come down right if anything if it does come down it's gonna be a quarter point then it's gonna be like you know six months it might be another quarter point or something like that like I can't see it you know every rate announcement down unless down, I guess down, if down, there was down, some down. panic some crisis of some port and they were just forced that's what but you're right yeah right. but like the other thing i think that we're seeing now with all of these holds right and i don't know what it's like here with some of the coaches but more and more people are jumping back into the market right with every hold we're starting to see yeah more yeah and more we're seeing more and more activity now as well that's a, that's a good point yeah so I mean, which is exactly that's why I'm like, you know, that's don't jinx it. No, I think that's yeah. part of the problem. I'm not saying don't jinx anything. I think that's part of the problem in a way. Right. I understand from our business is like, yeah, that's good. But I'm just like, ah, longer term, is that going to start the driving this inflation back sooner or, and, and bigger? Than it's sad that it's all just a psychological thing now. Or maybe it's just comfort with the fact that rates are in the in the sixes, right? Um, yeah, and everyone, that's what it is. Nobody really believes they're going higher. Yeah, yeah and let's just. So if we well, get a weird inflation spike and rates jump high, can you imagine rates instead of coming down like everyone expects, they jump higher right now? Oof. Well, yeah, but, but, but that'll crush everything. <laughs> that will crush. But they, I don't think they will because the economy's all, like that's on the housing side. Things are trickling up. In the economy in general, from the people that I'm talking to, not really. I mean, right. we'll see. But what was interesting is, and I thought about Tom, and we talked about this before we started recording, I think, is that uh, is when I was talking to that supplier today, and it was a sign company, and they were talking about yeah. this sign that they installed. And I think he was saying it was cost 80 grand, maybe it was 60, 60 or 80 grand for this. this it's a nice big, sign. Well, it's a big pylon sign. It was like 24, by, pylons? 24 by 10 or something. So, and they... Um, uh, and he's like, you know, but he goes, that was six months ago. So like, you know, the price have gone up since then. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like we're living in this world. That if we're, we're down to six months, that's no, I know, pretty quick. But I used yeah, to, okay. yeah. <laughs> but that, that's, that's a world where like, I kind of just, it wasn't long ago that I would just kind of think about and reflect on countries where that was happening and what that was like. That's six months. And I know there's other countries where it's every day and, you know, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and you know, and I think every month, but, but I mean, this is like, it didn't really happen the same way where people are like, Hey, this quote, I pri- this price I quoted you is like, it's only that was valid six months. For- yeah. Not that even that was only valid because it, yeah. it would be valid less, but it's like, Hey, just so you know, like we can't even compare that to yeah. this. Cause that was six months ago. You know, yeah. I think it's wild too. Cause I think sometimes Canadians will think that if, for inflation to be a problem, there has to be like a different way of life. Like people aren't going outside and there's like panic in the streets. And a lot of people I speak to, I'm trying to articulate that. No, like people go to restaurants still. 
Like if you look at Argentina with out of control inflation, or you look at Egypt that just had a currency devaluation that was pretty aggressive there, everyone's still living. And that's kind of the sneak attack of inflation that you can be in the middle of like the currency just getting absolutely debased. But the day-to-day life just looks kind of normal and everyone's life is moving along so people don't realize it. And then 10 years go past and it's like, there's a, there's a, you know, the, a weight, an income divide that you have the asset owners and the non-asset owners. And it's just, it just materializes, but it's been this 10 year thing. That's why inflation is such yeah, a we're right beautiful, in the middle of it. yeah, it's why it's such a beautiful sneak attack. These goddamn bakers are sneaky. <laughs> got to give it to them. I got to applaud the bankers. You figured it out. Back to serious business with Jay Shaw. Oh my property God. management. So, um, Anything that else that you want? So th- thanks for sharing about the rates. And we talked about kind of the, I'm curious, I'm really cool. It's cool to hear the amount of automation that you have going on and you're kind of working on that. And maybe you can see gaps and stuff that you're doing, right. but I don't think people are thinking the way you're thinking when it comes to property management. So it's kind of cool to see what you're doing. I especially think that's the case in this niche of people who own single family homes that are duplexing. There's not a lot of property managers who are specializing in that. And it really seems like you've carved out a, a, a niche, but what else are you doing? Do you manage other properties just so everybody can get an idea yeah i mean so like we'll do basically we manage up to about 20 units right now so i mean we've got some small multis right we've got you know single family duplex triplex some you know up up to 10 and then we have a couple buildings that are you know 2025 as well so we do that i mean we were kind of talking before a little bit about kind of the preventative piece and one of the things that we're trying to offer owners is like we're trying to be less of a commodity and more of a value add for them, right? So it's kind of like, you know, people are like, oh, it's, you know, management fees and this and that. And it's like, it's a cost, right? And we want, we want them to see it as a value because like when we talked about like the furnace and that, it's like, if we know that that furnace is going to go in five years, like we have instituted like a semi-annual review with our, with our owners. And what we do is we go over, okay, here's your property. Here's this, here's how much you've spent on maintenance. Here's the average against all of your other property or all of the other properties we manage. So then they can see like, okay, my maintenance is higher, my maintenance is lower. But the other thing we want them to see is like, look, like, you know, remember when you got that charge for, you know, the, uh, the furnace inspection? Well, the HVAC technician says that this roughly has about five years left of life. Okay. Um, you know, furnaces are going for roughly about 4K right now. So we got to start to put some money aside. Mm, you're acting as a consultant yeah. to them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, you're you're that's acting, cool. you're an investor. You're coming from an investor mindset on them by planning but, this way. But think about- It's not like, usual. You talk about, you talk about your instance with that rent home where it's like you knew, you knew the furnace was going to go and you didn't have the money, right? Well, I hate, and this has happened to me many times, <laughs> calling an owner and saying, the furnace is out and we need a new one and I need four grand and I need it soon because the tenants are on me, Right. Cause yeah, it's goes, winter. I need it tomorrow. Do you want your pipes to burst? Right, exactly. <laughs> and and I know for myself, I've been in those shoes. And oh. I'm like, God, right? Yeah. And it's like, and that's part of why, like in my property accounts, I've always had a buffer. But a lot of these, especially the newer investors, I don't know if they have a buffer, yeah. right? Like I disperse the money. Like we have a reserve, which is like, you know, like sure, it's 300, not a furnace. 300 bucks. Yeah. It's, not, yeah, yeah. it's not covering the furnace. So, but it's more along the lines of let's start to plan for this. Oh, and the air conditioner, the air conditioner is this old, right? And it was interesting because like when I initially approached our vendors for that, they were a little apprehensive about it. They're like, well, Jay, like I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to sell. I'm like, I'm not yeah, asking yeah. you to sell. I'm asking you proactive. Let's be proactive on this because, you know, maybe there's an opportunity we work together down the road. 
right? It makes the process, selfishly on, on your business side, it makes the process of breaking the news to them easier because even if it goes after three years, they're kind of already expecting it right. because they've seen that a couple of times. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it too where it's like it makes your life a little bit easier because I know if I was one of the owners, I'd be like, okay, well, that sucks. But you kind of mentioned that. I saw it coming. So right. so my initial reaction is maybe a little bit less emotional than it would have been otherwise. Where I'm like, ah, or, God. Or I have two grand in the piggy bank. I'll come up with the other two. To, yeah. has re- I'm, I'm curious. And uh, I want to give out your URL here in a second. But sure. uh, for, has real estate, as it from an investor, um, has it met your expectations? Has it uh, fell underneath them? Has it exceeded? You know, from any aspect, the management of it, the financial, like, are you happy you've gotten into real estate? Or like, is it really, do you think helping you overall financially as an investor? So I would say this, right? I think every investor over the last 18 months has felt the pain, right? Interest rates shooting up, like cash flow, all of that. Everyone, you know, I started in, I started in real estate in 2014. I've only seen the good times. I, you know, I haven't seen the bad times. I mean, I have... You know, the good times started in like 1996. So if anyone's been, well, <laughs> there's been hardly any bad times. And then, you know, some of the, some of the investors that I work with on the sales side are like, you know, call me when the market crashes, right? Like, you know, and they've been waiting since 2008 for the market to crash. Right? <laughs> I have one buddy since 1998. He's been telling me the market is going to crash. Uh, well, pre COVID like when, when everything started to dip, I was like, I had that guy and I was like, well, maybe I'll give him a call. This is as close yeah. as it's likely going to get, right? So, um, but back to your question, I think the reason I like real estate, like whether it's, you know, investing, whether it's property management is it forces us to be creative, right? Mm. Whether you're doing a deal, whether you're managing a property, um, you know, I said it before earlier in the podcast, I'll say it again. Like this business is about people. Right, like one of the deals that I ended up buying when I was a member here was uh, it was one of the rent to own properties, right? Where the where basically the guy got you know the rent to own letter, and he was you know he was very religious. He was like, this is a sign from God, and like you know or, what rent to own letter that it's time for him to possibly. So use when the we when we first started, we bought a rent to own property. And we put the sign out and I was always worried about oh, got it. the got sign. It. And I used to put letters in the neighbor's mailbox got it. Right? Yeah, to yeah, explain yeah. what right. we were yeah, doing. I forgot you did that. Yeah, yeah. And that. Everybody that, goes through that phase. That, <laughs> But that letter yeah. did two things. That was the biggest option payment we got, number one. And number two, we ended up buying his house and renovating the house in order to, um, in order, and, and used it as a rental. Yeah, so wow. by being creative and focusing on people, that helped us get to, you know, the next stage in our investing. What was the option fee on that one? Do you remember? 50,000. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. No it, one believes it. It was insane. Oh. I was just like, and I, I still have the picture of the check and I'm just like, and it was Did like, that really happened. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, I remember, right. Like bought this place in Niagara Falls. It was not a good property. You know, Mike was our coach. Phone Mike. I'm like, I'm following this guy back to Niagara Falls, and he had like investors oh my God, in the car. I remember that. <laughs> I remember when Mike called me and told me what you were doing. And we're like following this guy, and I think uh, Mike told you, "Don't like, who are you following?" Didn't he give you advice of like, "What are you doing?" Uh, he was like, "Oh, just be careful. Oh, yeah. Call me when you're done." <laughs> yeah, I right? remember you know, that. nothing faces Mike, right? He's no. Like, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Just drop me a pin so I know where you're at. <laughs> and had my daughter with me. She wouldn't even walk through the house. I had to carry her, and oh, it was. Geez. But um, you know, I mean. Going back to it, like, you know, I, I had a really good job in the pharmaceutical industry and 2018 happened, lost my job. And honestly, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, because cool. What man. it allowed cool. me to do is really kind of focus, spend time with my kids and, you know, build something that 
you know, that I can, you know, that I can run. Like basically I've built a business around, um, my life, not a life around my business. Right. And that's the biggest thing. It's awesome, given me the man. flexibility, Jeez. the freedom. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have come across you guys. And I was oh, talking, about, street, man. I was talking about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the radio, uh, the radio ads. Yeah. Cause we're running today. some radio commercials. Right. And I was like, that was, yeah. that was how it all started back then. That was in 2015. And, and, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I've been really fortunate, like, you know, from my own personal portfolio and even the business, right. Like just like, you know, work with a lot of members and, and you guys have all been, you know, very good and gracious and, I remember when you talked, tried to talk me out of it uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you were doing so much stuff and uh, yeah. Like, anyway, Jay, I worked Jay, great. You sat me down. Jay, are you really sure? Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> Um, Tom lets but, his biases get involved in other people's stuff. He's like, yeah. you know, I, this is not something Listen, I, I don't know if I would do what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Are you sure what you want to do? I know what's right for you. <laughs> now you're the, you're the, you're the, the goalie advice you used to, you were getting yeah. before when you were quitting your job. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Totally. Um, Jay. Yeah. Thank you. And it's such a two way street. Cause now you're helping so many rock star. And I know you're working with lots of people, yep. but uh, you know, a large uh, group of rock star investors work with you and it's, you know, it's cool because we're all supporting each other. We're all playing yeah, different yeah, roles, putting yeah. on different hats, solving different problems in this kind of mess of real estate. And it's awesome. You know, we're all, and we're all kind of going to our own yeah. goals of like, we all, what, what living your life on your terms looks different for you than for me. 100%. But with all of this, we're kind of making it work between us. It's super cool, man. So welcome home PM.ca is your URL. Welcome yep. home PM.ca. If you want to reach out to Jay Shaw and his team, that's where you can go. You're onboarding you. You're t are you taking new yep, clients right absolutely. now? So welcome home PM.ca. Any other contact information that you want to share? Um, no, everything's on there. You can follow us on Instagram, uh, welcome home management. And, uh, we put out, uh, you know, regular content videos. Uh, we've got some funny videos coming out. So, um, but yeah, we just, the biggest thing we're trying to do is add value, right? Is, is raise the bar in property management, raise the bar in education, similar to what you're doing. Um, you know, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, you know, work with you guys, like teaching the class here at Rockstar. It's lots of fun. And, uh, and by the way, you know this, we've told you this, yeah. let everyone know we get incredible feedback from your class, like incredible feedback from your property management class. So uh, huh. thank you. We'll, yeah, we'll wrap it there. Thanks, Jay Shaw. Appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Jay. His URL, again, is welcomehomepm.ca. So that's welcomehomepm.ca. And uh, if you are listening to this and you want to join the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, you can visit rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash members to find out all the details of what we're doing, including Jay's class and all the other classes that you get exposed to here. That's at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash members. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.